It is great to have you on the Family Goals Podcast with David Pollock and Pastor Jay. I'm Joel and House, and on this podcast, we want to encourage you to grow closer to God, to strengthen your marriage, and to inspire your family to reach its highest potential. Today on the Family Goals Podcast, we host Heisman Trophy winner, Robert Griffin III. All right, well, our next guest on Family Goals, Pastor Jay with David Pollock, is Robert Griffin III, RG3. Look at the sweatshirt. Show me the sweatshirt. Give me a flex with the sweatshirt. Yeah, we need our own, yeah. got our own logo. That's a, that's a good logo. But um, man, Robert, I, I've enjoyed getting to know you um, now that you're working with us with ESPN and getting to know your story. And I just love the way you carry yourself. And I love that face a, a big part of your life. And um, so we wanted to have you on and just talk a little bit about, about that and your journey along the way, because you've had a lot of, you've worn a lot of hats. Actually, speaking of now, like what is, what is your week look like during during the during the college football slash NFL season, what does your week look like? Yeah, I mean, David. First of all, I gotta say, I appreciate you for having me on and and uh, welcoming me with open arms there to ESPN. You know, we've done some work together on game day and uh, had a lot of fun there at ESPN. But the schedule is kind of crazy, especially last year. You know, first year I got in, I was able to kind of you know call games on Saturdays and then relax. You know, do some stuff on social media, some other stuff for ESPN and studio. But last year, joining Monday Night Countdown was really difficult. You know, now you're talking about being gone from Thursday to Tuesday almost every single week. Um, puts a lot of stress on my wife, who we just had a baby four months ago. So that was extremely difficult. So trying to manage that and making sure, you know, probably about after the second week of the season, I wasn't gone from th Thursday to Tuesday anymore. I was leaving on Fridays to get ready for Saturday games and then coming right back home and then leaving again Monday morning to go to Monday Night Countdown, just so I could spend as much time as I possibly could with the family. Uh, as you know, uh, there with Nicholas and Leah, the opportunities that you get to raise your kids uh, during their, their young adolescent years, you don't want to take that away, no matter how much you're chasing your dreams. Uh, but for the most part, throughout the year, I was pretty busy Thursday all the way through Tuesday, every single week, trying to manage the workload of both Monday Night Countdown and calling college games with Mark Jones and Quinn Kessinger. Yeah, so... Think about it, Pastor Jay. You're 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 studying all the college players. Then you got to study all the NFL players. Like you got to call games. That's a that's a that's a tough schedule. But but more importantly, what you talked about, I think, how do you balance at home? Because how many little girls you got now? Listen to this. We got four baby girls. Four seven, little five. Yeah, seven, five, three, and four months. So he's got a yeah. Somebody in the in the here is giving a little face. Woj is giving a face. Like so so. What are those? How do you consistently stay plugged in with their lives? How, how do you consistently love on your wife? Like, what, what does that look like on the road for you in ways that, you know, because there's a lot of people that are listening that are business people that travel a lot. And so what's some things you could probably, you could help some people with keeping your family strong even when you have to hit the road? Yeah, I mean, David, we all, we all need help in that area, right? To make sure our priorities are in line. And, you know, really the way I look at it is that you got to have multiple plan A's. And, you know, plan A for me is always to be the best husband I can be, to be the best father I can be, and be the best broadcaster. But I don't ever want any one of those plan A's to detract from the other one. So I'm not going to allow having to study the college kids and then study the NFL players make me a, a worse father or make me a worse husband. I'm always trying to pursue all those things at the same time. And listen, if I have an opportunity to go fly across the country, to go do a speaking engagement, uh, it really doesn't matter, you know, how much money that speaking engagement, engagement is worth. If I have a dance recital that I got to go to for my daughter, I'm going to that dance recital. Hmm. If I've got oh, an man. opportunity to 
there for my wife, who used to be a professional track and field athlete. I'm going to that track meet so that she doesn't have to worry about, you know, our four daughters at that track meet while she's trying to compete in the race. Um, there's no amount of money that is going to make up for those valuable experiences of being there to support your kids and support your family. Uh, and that's something that I take seriously. And then they also on the back end, they help support me the same exact way. RG, RG3, uh, Pastor Jay here. Great to meet you. Um, I'm just thinking about your wife being a, a track star and your athletic ability. I'm just thinking about those kids. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean that, that's going to be some, some scholarship kids right there. No, I mean, listen, we don't want our kids to ever feel like they have to be athletes. We want them to pursue whatever their passion is. Uh, of course, you know, my wife will never say this, but I, I'm always the one that's going to brag on her. Um, you know, I've, I've listened to, to David talk about how we have to speak life into our partners. And sometimes that's reminding them of who they are. Uh, and my wife is the Florida State record holder in the heptathlon. All right, she's a three-time All-American, multiple-time ACC champion. I think she's a five-time champion. Uh, and if she's not, I'm giving her five. <laughs> All right? So I always, I always like to, to talk about her in a way that lifts her up. And I think that's our responsibility as men to, to lift our partners up, to speak confidence into what they are and what they can do and help them pursue their passions. Um, because I know you know this, both of you, being a mom is one of the hardest jobs in the world. Oof, yeah. uh, and because it's one of the hardest jobs in the world, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I need her to be her best version of herself. Her kids need her to be the best version of herself, her friends, her family, uh, her job. And a lot of times our, our wives, our partners, they don't get that. Hey, thank you. I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate all the things you do for all of us. What can we do for you? Um, so for, for my wife and the kids, uh, I think they get their personality from her. They're around her the most. Um, they get their sweetness, their joy from my wife. Uh, and I want her to know that at all times possible. And then when you see that in your children, you see that in your daughters, like when I come home, I get all the hugs in the world, guys, because yep. they're excited to see daddy. And, and when you're a, a girl dad, you're going to be loved forever by your children. Uh, but I also want them to know that the only reason that daddy's able to go out and support the family is because of what mommy's doing. And I see that in my kids. I see that in their personality. And we're always going to show her that appreciation. So if they do become athletes, so be it. You know, one of them walks around on her tippy toes all day, every day. It's just her natural style. And the athlete in me is like, man, she got some strong feet. That's gonna be <laughs> but at the end of the day, if they want to do something else, they can do something else. Strong calves too, which is good. But no, I think, you know, I think that's so important. Um, and again, like how, how do our kids learn to love their mom? Like yeah. if, if we show them what that looks like, like if we show them what it looks like to really love mama, they're going to love mama. Like they're, are they, are they going to have attitude? Yes. But like he said, it's important too. If you're a man that travels a lot, like when you get home, you get the hugs, you get the adoration, you get the kisses, you get treated so differently as opposed to mama who's been grinding. Like, wake up, feed your sorry behind, get you to the next appointment, get you to the next thing, get you to the next thing. So that's a great reminder, Robert, for that. Like, speaking of athletic ability, I love talking to you at the draft. By the way, his, family, his whole family was at the draft in Kansas City this year, brought him with him. Um, but the, the, the cool thing was talking about, like, your journey. Like, a lot of people, again, want to talk about sports, growing up, being great. H how tall were you, like, in eighth grade? We were talking about this. Like, how tall were you? How big and tall were you in eighth grade? 
Yeah, in eighth grade, I was um, I was five six, ninety pounds. <laughs> so my son is six feet, a hundred and seventy pounds. Yep. So that, I mean, just think about that. But but like again, y- your journey. Talk about. I, I want to I hear about your parents. Like growing up with right. your parents and sports, and what was the priority in the household that 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 your parents prioritized and help you become an athlete and continue to grow and then go off to Baylor. Yeah, David, you know, you I'll backtrack it. This is part of the conversation about my parents. You talked about me bringing my family to the draft. Um, you know, my first year at ESPN, I brought my family everywhere with me. Um, our kids weren't in school. I didn't want to be away from the family. And, you know, I encourage every person who after the travels a lot, if you have an opportunity to bring your family with you and it's not quote unquote unprofessional, do that because those are experiences that your kids are not going to necessarily get once they're in school and busy all the time. And it keeps you close with your family. Um, that that time is important. And I think I learned that from my parents growing up. You know, when you talk about this podcast and what it's about, it's about family goals, right? It's about faith-based conversations. And that's what my family did for me. My mom and my dad introduced me and my two older sisters to who God was when I was six years old in Coppers Cove, Texas went to a church called Christian House of Prayer. And to me, that's still my church home to this day because I grew up in the church. Yes, I had those moments, David, where I was passed out in the main church because the service was four hours long. (laughs) I I couldn't handle it. But but that that journey that my parents took me on, they introduced me to God, obviously. They, They taught me and my sisters the discipline that it takes to accomplish the goals that you want to accomplish. They taught us how to sacrifice growing up in a military family, not just for your family, but also for your country. And at the end of the day, the, the biggest thing they taught me was that every single thing that I have gotten in my life has come from God. It's come from that faith. All the challenges, all the obstacles that you have to overcome, God strengthens you to be able to overcome those things. And I'm, and I'm grateful for that because I've instilled that into my family to understand that God has to be put first. And it's not just something that you say. And, and David, you know this, I, we both like to have fun on air, right? We like to crack jokes. We like to, you know, teeter the line of, should he have said that? Probably but not. Yeah, okay. At, at the end of the day, God has a sense of humor as well. And it's not that any of us have to be perfect, but we just have to embrace that and try to live our life the best way possible through his teachings. And that's what my family taught me. That's awesome. Well, God, Jesus came that we may have life and have it to the full, have, have it abundantly. I, I remember RG3, I, I was at the Baylor Bears TCU football game, and I can't remember the score, but y'all ended up winning like 60-something to 50-something. There was like this this huge shootout, and people were going nuts, and, and RG3 was like this huge, I and mean, you were like, you were going to win the Heisman. I mean, how, how, did, how were you able to handle all that, like, Keeping your faith, keeping your priorities, maybe not getting a big head. I mean, that would be hard yep. to. How were how were you able to to continue to glorify God even though you were receiving all of the hype and the glory? Yeah, you know, it, honestly, that the answer to that is a piggyback off of the second part of the question that David asked. Just like through life, as as a five six ninety pound eighth grader, uh, no one ever thought. I was going to be an NFL quarterback, let alone win the Heisman in college. Um, I did dunk in eighth grade, though. So <laughs> yeah, I baby. Did, I did have that. I had that going for me. But, you know, learning 
from my parents to never forget where you came from, I think that always grounded me. Knowing that everything that I've gotten and that God deserves all the glory, not just in the good times, right? It's so easy to mm, praise God in the yeah. good times, but also in the bad. I think that is what helped me stay grounded throughout the years. I wasn't, I didn't go to the Heisman ceremony and have Andrew Luck, Trent Richardson, Tyron Matthew, and Monty Ball sitting next to me and think in my head, yeah, I'm going to win this trophy. I didn't think that. Um, you know, I, I knew I went to Baylor University. I knew that we were a smaller school and these were some big schools uh, that had a lot of sway. So as the accolades started to come in, um, I just remembered where I came from. My pastor growing up, his name was Bishop Holcomb. And he always told me, whenever you come into your kingdom, don't forget where you came from. And I think I just held that with me. Unfortunately, Bishop Holcomb is not with us anymore. Uh, he's in heaven. But I think all of those life experiences along the way allowed me to stay grounded. And, and the simple fact of the matter is I didn't love football when I first went to college. Um, my, when I tore my ACL in 2009, that's really what is a, is a double impact for me. It really drew me closer to football and made me love the sport, but also drew me closer to God. Because when I was six years old, I didn't have a choice. All right? I was going to church because my parents said I was going to church. But once I got out of, out of high school and out of the house, now it was on me. I had to make those decisions of what I was going to believe and what I was going to follow. And when I tore my ACL in 2009, I did everything right, David. Not gonna lie to you. I was stretching, foam rolling, getting in the cold tub, going to class, getting straight A's. And I'm sitting there looking at myself in the mirror saying, God, why me? Why did this happen to me? I've been a faithful servant. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. Why did I tear my ACL? And for two weeks, whew, I was on the borderline, man. But after those two weeks, I rededicated my life back to Christ. I understood that this was part of the journey for me. Uh, and, and my journey doesn't have to be anybody else's journey. But in that moment, I accepted Christ truly for the first time as a 19-year-old. Hmm. Uh, and I think that people have to understand that just because you grew up in the church doesn't mean that that's who you are or that's what you believe. You have to make that decision for yourself. I made that decision in 2009. That injury and being away from my teammates and seeing the team struggle and seeing the seniors who had been struggling for years lose that hope of going to a bowl game and lose that hope of winning a Big 12 championship. That hurt me. That made me love the game. So in 2009, probably the most pivotal moment of my life when it comes to football and also when it comes to my faith. And I always look back on that when something bad happens, right? 2009, tear the ACL, we win the Heisman in 2011, hmm. right? Every single thing has prepared me to face challenges, to face setbacks and to come out on top, even in my NFL career. When I told myself, didn't quite come back the way that I wanted to, but all of that life experiences and not allowing the challenges to break me allowed me to sit next to this guy, David Pollock, on College Game Day and not just hold my own, but also bring more to the sport uh, of what we're trying to accomplish and telling these guys stories the right way. It's all a part of the process. And I always look at it that way as opposed to it being all about me. It's about God and furthering his kingdom. Well, and, and I think it's something that's, it takes time. Like, I think when you're younger, everybody out there, you're going to realize this at different stages. Like when you're younger, it's harder to deal with that. Like it's harder to deal with adversity. It's harder to learn. But once you get older and you have a moment like RG3 did with his ACL, you have a moment like I did with my neck. You've had moments, I'm sure, Pastor Jay, that you've had in your life. Like you realize every single one of the, well, here's the thing. God is for us. 
not not in the high moments, not as a first round draft pick. God is for us all the time. All the time. Every situation, there's something we need to take out of it. And the sooner we can switch our brain to, oh, okay, this is something that I need to go through. This is something that God has a lesson. He has something to teach me through this. How am I going to use it? it? Once once we make that shift in our brain, man, I, I think it makes us to live li- to live life so much freer. And, and and that's a hard thing, but and we're, and we're trying to learn like with our kids. How do we give them that? You know, like I'm trying to learn how do I give my son that? How, how do I give my daughter that? I can't just like RG3. He, he grew up in church. He took that to get him to a true faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like. We're going to have those moments, embrace them, embrace the suck of it, embrace the hardship of it, but then God's going to take it and he's going to use it in a mighty way, in a way that you would have never probably imagined. So, you know, that's a good example of that. And then, and then, and then talk about bouncing back though. Like you also yeah. had an opportunity to bounce back and you had an opportunity to continue to play in the NFL. And I mean, it ain't like you're hurting by the way, like you, you run still like a, like an athlete that can play in the league. You're still running at an elite level. Your body's healthy now. And, and, and talk about maybe some of the things that you learned from that, that, that you took to ESPN, that you took to Monday night football, that you take to your, to your family. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the biggest thing for my NFL career was there, there's moments in all of our lives that are meant to break us, right? Meant to just, take away our confidence, take away our belief in what we are pursuing. And when you persevere through those moments and you don't allow it to break you and you keep working hard, even when you can't even see the other, the light at the other end of the uh, other side of the tunnel, that is what sets you up for success down the road. So in my NFL career, I went from being a face of the franchise, being you know one of the faces of the NFL in 2012 mm-hmm. to four years later, uh, being a scout team safety, okay? And what? not playing I didn't know that. during the season. And in that moment, that was tough, right? You, you hear players talk about mental health. We all talk about mental health and how important it is. We talk about, you know, anxiety and going through depression. When you're in a moment like that and, and you have to be the best possible teammate that you can be, uh, but it's to your detriment, that's difficult, man. So here I am as a scout team safety supporting the starting quarterback, who was Kirk Cousins uh, at the time. And we ended up winning the division that year in Washington. And one of the the reasons that I felt so positive about that year was because I was not a distraction. When it wasn't about me, I wasn't a distraction. And I feel like my faith helped me in that moment because it's never supposed to be about us. It's always supposed to be about God. So here I am. I am in the valley, guys. Hmm. I had never been in a valley like this in my life. And my response to being in that valley wasn't to go pout. My response in that moment was to support my teammates, to cheer along with them, to help Kirk Cousins be the best quarterback he could be by telling them what I was seeing on the field and not trying to be someone who was trying to take away from people, but add to them. And that moment, carried with me for the rest of my career. I go to Baltimore. I'm out of the league in 2017. I go to Baltimore in 2018. I'm there for three seasons. With Lamar Jackson, uh, in 2019, he wins the MVP. I never take credit for anybody else's success. But in that moment, I knew I had never had a guy uh, in in the situation that I was in that could help a guy like Lamar Jackson navigate those NFL waters in those first couple of years Mm. to help him be the best version of himself. And I took it upon myself to take that 
big brother mentor role, even when in that first year it was tough because we were all competing. Yep. <laughs> they really everybody's competing for their NFL life. But in 2019 and 2020, uh, I felt like I was able to break through with Lamar and truly help him in ways that I wish I had gotten when I was a younger player. And it was that year in 2015 when I was not playing it down and I had to make a decision, is this about me or is this about my team? And it was about the team that it helped me in my NFL career, prolonged my NFL career to where I went from many people thinking I was only gonna play four years to playing eight years. And I just, I take that with me everywhere I go because at the end of the day, at ESPN, David knows this, it's not about you. It's not about only David Pollock on the college game day set. It's about Kirk, it's about Des, it's about Reese, it's about Pat, it's about everybody behind the scenes that is doing everything to make the show successful. And that type of teamwork you take with you every single where that you go and also uh, overcoming the adversity of a show, like the lights go out or the clock isn't working and you're having to call the game blind essentially. All those things help you to, to put together that teamwork and that mindset of how am I gonna tackle this challenge and uh, I think the things that were meant to break me early in my career actually made me who I am today. Thanks, Hippie. I love that. What, what's your best Lamar Jackson? I mean, just watching him. First of all, I, I think. First of all, I think you gotta you gotta take some pride in where the NFL is now because I think you were one of the guys that helped. Real, show the NFL like mobile quarterbacks yeah. are okay, bro. Like that's okay. Like we we can do that. Like we can we can do that. Now learning everybody learning to the rules changing has helped the game big time because quarterbacks are protected so much better than they used to. But give me the the thing you saw Lamar Jackson do because I could give you ten off the top of my head watching that freak. Like it's unbelievable. <laughs> like he just he leaves jock straps all over the yard. Like it's just amazing <laughs> the way he cuts and moves. Like. You got any stories of your time with Lamar that you just like, oh, wow, okay, I'm good. And I run a 4-3, but that sucker right there, what the heck is that? Yes, and, and you know, I've had these conversations before. We talked about this uh, at the draft uh, with Lamar. I think a lot of people focus on his ability to run and cut and, and juke. And it's, I understand, guys, it's just It's fun. It's fun to watch. It's fun, fun to, to play in Madden, too. <laughs> exactly. And, and I, don't, I don't hold that against people. I do like to tell people that the guy can throw the football with the best of them. And I think in 2019, his MVP year, uh, he might have had probably the worst training camp I've ever seen in my life. Uh, teammates were like, hey, yo, what's going on with Jack? Is everything okay? You know, you know, just going through the grind. You see these guys now, they have a bad day of practice. It's all over social media. People are just grilling them. And I'm like, guys, you got to give these guys an opportunity to grow and develop. And I think that's what happened with Lamar in 2019 at training camp. He was growing and developing through every single practice that we went through. He wasn't making throws one day, and he might not make them the third day. But when we opened up the game that year against the Miami uh, Dolphins, or should I say the season that year against the Miami Dolphins, this guy made more throws that I didn't see him make all training camp in that one game that just completely blew my mind. And now when you flash forward uh, that year into November, we're playing against Cincinnati Bengals. I'm sitting there on the sideline. You know, I got the headset on, listening to the play calls, communicating with Lamar on the field. And he made that 47-yard touchdown run where he kind of juked Carlos Dunlap in the backfield off of the zone read action and then did a spin move down the middle of the field. And, Dave, you know this. I, I was a guy that could run a little bit. Yeah. You know, pretty fast. 
Yep. I wasn't necessarily a juker the way that Lamar is, but I can run. So there's not much that really surprises me on the football field when I see a guy do something. But I was standing there on the sideline, and I saw him hit the spin move, not break stride, and run it for a touchdown, and my jaw hit the ground. <laughs> I said, what in the world did I just witness? I looked at my teammates, I'm like, guys, I ain't never seen anything like that in my life. <laughs> it was the most unbelievable run I have ever seen. And there were throws that I saw him make throughout that year. He won the MVP, obviously, because he was the most dynamic player in the NFL. And there was a moments in my head where I'm like, man, I'm a believer in myself and I'm confident, but holy cow, this guy is just on a whole nother level right now. And it was fun to be a part of that. It's probably the most dominant team I've ever been, been a part of at any level of football. I think we went 14 and two that season. And it was, it was all because of Lamar Jackson. Davey mentioned to me, RG3, that you have uh, quite the sock game. <laughs> Some, something about multicolored socks. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, yes. If you've seen him on television, you know. If you saw him at the Heisman <laughs> Trophy so in college, like, I you, remember, you know. yeah, the, the uh, Superman socks. Oh, look, he's got, it looks like he's got something on right now. <laughs> I, got, I got something on right now. Let me see if I can get these in the camera. We got some. Oh, yeah, <laughs> see? <laughs> Listen, Michelangelo, my favorite Ninja Turtle. <laughs> um, but no, the socks, honestly, they were born because uh, I just, I grew up and didn't have a ton of money. Um, my family, we, you know, I wore Walmart shoes, I wore starter and my only outlet was to be the best at whatever I was doing. So I was a starting point guard. I was a starting quarterback and I wore pajama pants to school every day, uh, because no one would tell me anything. So the socks was born out of that. Um, I didn't have, you know, you say, Hey, maybe some, uh, some white low, uh, where the ankle socks might be cheaper than than the animated socks at Walmart? Nope, not even close. So I'd pull those off the off the rack and wear them. And at the Heisman, uh, they featured the socks for the first time. Even when I was in college, Baylor never featured me wearing these socks because it wasn't anything that we thought of that needed to be featured. But once the Heisman did that and I had the Superman socks on at the Heisman, it took off from there. Uh, but I've always worn them. It's always been something I've done since middle school. And uh, I'm glad that I was able to share that with the world. And uh, hopefully we can uh, make more fun sock ideas happen throughout the future. Well, you need to, <laughs> you got the RG3 line. Let's go. We need some RG3 line of socks, don't we? That's true, David. Go ahead and clip that. that yep. And uh, we'll get one of these sock companies uh, to, to take I only want 49%. Um, I think that I think the cool thing about that RG3 is, and I think this is a good topic for you to talk about. Like, I, I think it seems like it, just being around you, seeing you, it seems like you're very comfortable with who you are. And I was always a person that I preferred respect over like. Like, I wasn't in it for the likes all the time, but I wanted everybody to respect me. And you, it seems like you grew up being you and you do you and you're not really worried about everybody else. Is that, is that the way you live life? Is that the way you look at it? How do you, how do you look at it like that? Uh, I would say it's, it's probably twofold. Um, you know, as a quarterback, you know, your job is to, to know your teammates. It's to, to lead your teammates, to know who they are and be able to lead them in that way. Um, I think, you know, growing up uh, in the church and then being a faith-based guy, you understand that. Like, God wants to meet you where you're at yep. uh, and get you to become better. So in that regard, as a teammate, as a player, 
I wasn't really worried about myself uh, in that regard. But as a person, um, I always felt like, you know, not only just for my mental health, but also for who I am every single day in the building. If I'm the same person publicly, privately, and professionally, uh, I'm going to be better off in the way that I am as a father, as a husband, as a teammate, because now I'm not having to play a character. Uh, and, and that's what I never wanted to be in my life. So when I post certain things on social media, do I ever get feedback of like, yo, you're a weird dude? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. And, and for me, that never bothers me. The one thing I, I never wanted to do once we got into this social media world was to post stuff because it seemed like that's what everyone else wants me to do. I was going to post things and share things with my, my following and, and share things about my family that are true to who we are, not who people want us to be. Um, and I can honestly credit that back to my family, back to my faith, but also early in my career in Washington, when there was some turmoil or some stories that had come out where I felt like, man, why are they lying on me? You know, in that moment, back in 2013, 14, it wasn't the popular thing to go on social media and fight every single negative thing that somebody said about you or to try to dispel rumors. Um, so you just stay professional. You, you know, you stay there, you put on the, the, the hat for the team and you took it all on the chin. Um, but for me now in this capacity as a broadcaster, it's like, listen, I don't have to fight that stuff from back then anymore. I know what the truth is. I know who I am. And I'm going to make sure I continue to show who that is. Uh, so when you say I'm comfortable in my own skin, I am comfortable with someone saying, man, he's weird. Man, I, 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 I wouldn't do that. It's okay. It's okay if you wouldn't do it. I did that. I, you know, I love showing my family. I love showing uh, some of the passions that I have, whether it's Dragon Ball Z or you know, I just did a, a, a Nuggets if the Nuggets players were, were sauces, what would their sauce be? People are like, is this guy high? I'm like, no, I'm not high. <laughs> I am 100% sober. I've always been 100% sober. I just like to look at things in a different way and have fun with it. And uh, I think that's how people should approach it. Don't be who people want you to be. Be who you are. What, what was Jokic's sauce? I'm just curious. Okay, so Jokic was barbecue. Uh, right? Okay. And the reason he was barbecue sauce is because I love barbecue sauce, first of all. Secondly... Barbecue sauce can be put really on anything. Okay. And Jokic is really a system player. You know, you put you can drop him into any offense in the NBA, and he's going to do work. Uh, and I feel like he's also a little spicy, right? Barbecue sauce can be spicy, and he showed that when he pushed down the Suns owner, Matt Bishbia. Uh, <laughs> <on his spicy. laughs> hey, hey, Pastor Jay, don't talk about any of your sweets. Don't get off on a tangent now. I'm sure you'd hey, love sweets. I'm loving this RG3 gear. You like it? Uh, we got to get some RG3 gear. That is nice. That's some good looking like stuff. It. Yeah. And I will see you guys RG3 gear. Before we ask the next question, I got. I have a question for you, Pastor Jay. Oh. So I have, you know, I've, I've gone through a bunch of Bible studies in my career, whether it was in college or, or in the NFL, and every one of them is a little different, right? But I always like to, to go to these Bible studies and, and, and grow. Right, have these conversations that, that challenge our faith and challenge what we believe in. And one question that I asked at a Bible study that completely blew the Bible study up was, <laughs> what happens when there's a seven-year-old kid who's in India and doesn't have a chance to get to know who God is and doesn't get a chance to learn about Jesus and they die? 
does that kid go to hell based off of the teachings that we see in the Bible uh, about how the only way to God's kingdom is through Jesus Christ? Or does that kid go to heaven because we serve an understanding God? We serve a, a merciful God, a God who is understanding and ultimately we can't lead, lean towards our own understanding in those moments. God is ultimately the one who has the final decision. Uh, that question blew up the Bible study, uh, not in a good way, but I wanted to ask you that question and, and see what your response would be. Well, that, that's, a, that's a tough question. And I think that, that shows us the importance of the Great Commission, the importance of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, because there's still a couple thousand unreached people groups around the world uh, according to the Bible, the only way to heaven is through faith in Jesus Christ. And if someone doesn't put their faith in Jesus, I don't, I don't believe they're going to heaven. Now, I do believe that there's probably going to be a whole lot more people in heaven than, than we think. And there's probably going to be a whole lot less people in heaven than, say, the, the average worldly person believes. Because I do think God is a loving and gracious God. And his, his uh, you know, our finite minds can't comprehend his incredible love and his grace. And, you know, some people believe in the age of accountability, like an unborn child never had an opportunity. And so they're going to go to heaven or even a child that's not old enough to, to make, to make that decision. And there's all kind of arguments of, well, we know, we know by creation, you know, we can look at creation and say, well, well, God exists, but that, that is a tough, tough question. We, we also, I don't know if I answered your question correctly, but no, I can see how no, that would no, no. blow it up, blow up a Bible study. I, I think you did. I think you did. But I also, it also talks about too that God will, God will expose Himself to everyone. Like it also talks about that in the Bible. Like God will reveal Himself to you. So I think everyone. I, I think it's. I think it's hard to fathom some places in the world, like in where people live and how people live. We don't even get it, man. Like you don't get it until you see it a lot of times. But I think. Um, I think there's more, I think God reveals himself in different ways to all of us. And I think we all can look back on certain things and be like, oh yeah, like I, 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 I saw, I, I saw, I see that now. I see where he revealed himself to me. I think that he reveals himself to a lot of people. I don't think it's, I don't think there's many people that can use, can say that. There are some people I think they can say that, but I think, I think God exposes himself to a lot of people and especially through people, through his people. Yeah, Pastor Jay, I would say that you did answer the question, and, and the answer that I received from that is, like, this is what we believe because this is what God's teachings say. It's what God has said, that the only way to his kingdom is through his son and belief in his son, Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know, died, rose on the third day to, you know, clear us of our sins. And I would say this about both of you. I appreciate you trying to answer the question and engaging in the in the dialogue because a lot of, of people who believe what we believe refuse to even go there because it is a tough question it's a difficult situation to be in but then i always i also ask like i'm a believer right i believe in what i believe i've true tried and tested uh it's not me saying i believe this just because i believe it right i want to have concrete evidence and, and reasons as to why i believe in god and for the people who may be listening to this that, that, uh, that don't believe in God, I ask the question of, what do you have to lose, right? None of us really know what is, is, is waiting for us. We have this belief that everlasting life and that heaven is waiting for us on the other side. But what do you have to lose in following God's teachings 
if there is nothing once we close our eyes for the final time. What, you, you, lived, you lived a good life? You respected your wife? You raised your kids the right way? You, you, you lived with kindness? You treat people with respect? You don't steal, kill, or destroy? And at the end of the day, there's nothing there. Well, you lived a great life. You tried to abide by God's principles, principles of what being a good person are. And I encourage people to, to understand that, you know, what you believe and how you approach life is your own prerogative. But what do you have to lose by believing in God? I don't think you have anything to lose. I think you have everything to gain. I love that. Yeah. I, you don't have anything to lose. And another thing, too, is just don't take, don't take pastor's words for it. Don't take social media's words for it. Like there is no supplement. There's no, nothing that can replace you opening up and discovering it for yourself. Like that's, that's how I came to Christ. Like I, I had no clue what was in the Bible, but like I heard about this character named Jesus and I'm like, he walked the earth and he did X, Y, and Z. And wait a minute, nobody wanted this to happen. You know, nobody reported about normal peasant people back in the day. Like you, you always told about King stories and why is there a whole book dedicated to this dude? And then I started to read about it myself and I started to form my own opinions. And I, I think that's what's, what's really powerful. And that's, I love what RG3 is saying because you don't have anything to lose, but really, realistically, go read it for yourself. Formulate okay. some questions. And, and there are so many resources out there, podcasts on everything you can, anything you can imagine. There's podcasts on pottery. I mean, I don't know anything about pottery, okay? There's podcasting on cooking and baking and like, go do some of that for yourself. Make your opinion, formulate your opinion. And then I think you'll be surprised of, because that's literally how I, I came to Christ. And you'll be surprised at some of the questions you'll have that you might get some real answers to. RG3, you mentioned when you were 19 years old, you truly accepted Christ, but you, you grew up in the church. So you knew about God, but it wasn't until 19 that you truly knew God. So how, how did your life change? Like what was, what were the big changes in your life after that? Yeah, I think go, going from six to 19, uh, and I mean this in the, in the most respectful way possible, was more of just going through the motions, right? I knew I was going to church every Sunday. Uh, I knew the teachings of what God, uh, you know, asked us to do, how we were supposed to follow, but it was all because of my parents. Right, I played church league basketball. I don't know many people who played church league basketball, right? And we were getting after it, okay? It oh, yeah. <laughs> we were getting after it in the, in the church gym. Um, but through that process, I, I knew about God, but I didn't know God. You know, I'm a believer that God is not coming back for a religion. He's coming back for a relationship. And your relationship with God might be different than my relationship with God. And it's our job throughout the process of our lives to figure out what that is. So once I hit 19 and I had that, that make or break moment in my life, uh, it was to say, all right, am I just doing this to go through the motions because I'm supposed to go to church, because I'm supposed to read my Bible, or am I doing this because I'm trying to find out and seek out who God is? And that's how my life changed. So once I hit 19, and the rest of my life, it, it's not that, hey, now I'm 19 years old, I accepted Christ on my own, I'm perfect. I'm gonna do everything yeah. the perfect way. No, we all make mistakes. We all sin, we all fall short of the glory we of God. We all wear horrible socks. <laughs> <laughs> but it's about how you're approaching life and what you're doing. For the, the weightlifters and the athletes out there, how you approach going to the gym. Are you going to the weight room to just do the sets and reps that your coach told you to do? 
Are you going to the gym because you have a goal that you want to increase your bench press by 25 pounds over the next six weeks? Or you want to hit 10 more reps on the 225 test so that when you do go pro as a pro athlete, coaches aren't looking at you and saying, man, he's weak. Like, that's how I approached my life after I, I truly accepted God and decided to follow him. It was what I was doing now had intention. It wasn't just to do it so I could check the box. Yeah, and I, and I think I, I think we all get caught in that habit. You probably do too, even as a pastor. Um, a lot of times I'll read my Bible for information. And, and, a, and a big prayer of mine recently has been, I don't want to read it for information. I want to read it for transformation. Like, I, I want it to change me. I, I don't want it to, because I, I want to read it, because then I think about my Wednesday night small group, and my, I think about small, our small group on Sundays. Like, what can I teach them? Like, how can I learn more that I can teach them more? And I'm like, nah, bro. Like, this needs to be for you. Like, this needs to be, what, what, what does God have to transform my life, to change me from the inside out? And I think, I think we have a tendency to do that. And I think we have a tendency, like you just said, check the boxes. Like, and listen, I think there's a lot of good things that come out of checking boxes. Like checking your morning devotional in the morning is a box that everybody, a lot of people like to check. And I think that's a good thing. But if, but what he just said, if you come at, if you come to those morning weight room sessions and you ain't in it and you're just going through the motions, you don't really grow. But when you show up and you're present and you are looking for something and you are searching for something and you're looking to grow, you'll grow. But it's hard to grow when you ain't going to put in the work. You ain't going to put in the equity. You ain't going to put in the intentionality. You ain't going to put your heart into something. It's, it's hard to grow and it's hard to transform something. RG3, so, so encouraging talking to you because so many times you see professional athletes who they might score a touchdown or win a football game and, and, and they give God the glory, you know. And, but I always wonder, like, are they the real deal? And he gives me a hard time because I always say, my, my, my kids know I'm the real deal. And he's like, you said your kids think you, I am the real deal, but you're the real deal. Like, like, um, you are the real people deal. Don't, people don't say that by the way. Don't say what? People don't say I'm the real deal. Like you don't, you don't say that. That does, that's not something you say. You just don't say I'm the real deal. And we're, and we're recording this too. Well, I know, but you but, say like, like <laughs> I'm real. Just don't say I'm the real deal. You know, real well, deals don't get RG three gear. Okay. Well, RG, <laughs> RG3 is the real deal. There you okay? go. You can say that. And, I like that. And he, he has a relationship with Jesus Christ. His life has been changed. And I want, I want to encourage you, and I try to, this is something Davey and I have been talking about for 10 years. You know, as long as I've known David, like, God has given you a platform. And you can reach, people don't know who Pastor Jay is, but people know who RG3 is. And RG3 is on ESPN. He's on NFL Live. I mean, like, I just want to encourage you to, to keep using your platform to, to glorify Christ and to spread the word of God. I just. I, I got you, Pastor Jay. And, and honestly, it's a big reason why when David reached out to, to come on this podcast, uh, you know, I was willing to do it. And, you know, it's, I appreciate, David, what you're doing with Pastor Jay to talk about these issues with family and have them centered around faith-based conversations because, for me, I've always been a guy that I don't push my faith on other people, but David probably wouldn't have known a lot of the stuff that we talked about today if you guys didn't bring me on this podcast and we didn't have this open conversation. Uh, it's not to say that I'm ashamed of what I believe in. It's to say that when people come to me and they want to know about Christ, 
I am all about that. When people don't come to me and want to know about don't want to know about Christ, for me, I'm just going to continue to live my life, uh, spread the word that I believe, like the morning quotes that I put out. Those are a lot of times based off of my faith. A lot of times those quotes are reminders for me on how I need to approach my day. And I want to be better at not just waiting for people to come to talk to me about Christ, but also living in a way that they want to know more about Christ. And, you know, one last thing about my, my family. When I was growing up, my mom and dad, with my two other sisters, we drive to school uh, and they would make us recite the 91st Psalms every single morning. And that, obviously, when I'm six, seven, eight years old, I'm like, why am I reciting the 91st Psalms? Like, this is a song, isn't it? Like, why are we saying this? But when I turned pro and I went to the NFL, or should I say every single game I ever played in junior high, high school, college, and the NFL, before every game, I walk a lap around the field and I recite the 91st Psalms. Why do I do that? It's a, it's a grounding thing for me. It's knowing that everything that I have and what I'm about to do on this field is by the glory of God. It's by the grace of God that I'm able to do this. And to this day, I still know the 91st Psalms. He that dwelt in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. I could go on and say all 16 <laughs> verses, but the bottom, the point I'm trying to make is I took that and now I do that with my kids. Yeah, them daughters I know have, it now. I have them recite the 91st Psalms with me every morning when I drive them to school because even if they don't know God right now, they will have that moment like I did at 19. And everything that they did before that will now make more sense. So I encourage parents out there when you're, when you're raising your children and you're teaching them about God, give them something that they can hold on to that's tangible. Because when you recite the 91st Psalms, there are so many gems inside those 16 verses that you can apply to every aspect of your life from start to finish. And I'm thankful for my parents that they did that. And I want to be a vessel for Jesus and a vessel for God and his kingdom to go out there and get people to come in and, and be curious about what God is doing because I know for a fact, I am not perfect and I have made mistakes in my life, but God's grace is the only reason that I'm able to do what I'm doing now. Amen, that's brother. Like, that's that, like was a, that was a mic, mic drop. drop. That was that was it. That was the way we would end it, brother. That's perfect, man. Thank you for your time, big dog. No problem, brother. And uh, you guys keep doing your thing. I really enjoy the podcast and uh, I'm thankful for what you guys are doing for God's kingdom. Much love. Thank you for listening to this week's Family Goals podcast with David Pollock and Pastor Jay. The most encouraging thing about RG3 is the way that he's unapologetically himself. His life isn't wavered on what the world thinks. He's focused on God and who God created him to be. When he tore his ACL in 09 and hit rock bottom, he asked, why God, why me? How many times have we been in this situation and asked, why God, why me? But RG3 rededicated his life to Jesus and chose to run to God in the hard times. And two years later, he wins the Heisman. What if he quit? What if he decided to walk away from football and walk away from God? We would not know who RG3 is today. I encourage you to run to God in the valleys because he is preparing you for what is to come. I'm going to reiterate one of the questions that RG3 asked. If you don't believe in God, what do you have to lose? If you study the word and you just don't believe it, fine. 
But if you study the word and realize that Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life, you have everything to gain. If you found this episode helpful, encouraging, or entertaining, please let us know by subscribing to the podcast or by writing a review. You can also reach us on Instagram and Twitter at Family Goals Pod. Thank you again for listening to the Family Goals Podcast, and we'll catch you next week.